building your muscles of resilience. And I had a lot of sports was sort of like hovering over it. Uh, and it was basically about showing uh, emotional resilience and not showing actually having emotional resilience by garnering positive experiences in your life, recognizing the strengths of relationships, um, understanding how the faith that you've built is really a salve and reflecting on that when difficult time comes and using it to buttress yourself against failures and challenges and not to wimp out. And I don't know if that's a pretty decent, I guess, synopsis of what you were trying to say there in 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. But there was one thing there that I thought it really struck me when I was listening to it. And that was, you had a story, two stories there. Uh, one story at the end of the podcast uh, was about the toughness of, uh, I guess, a friend of yours father uh, who was in his 80s, had gone through a hip replacement uh, operation. And when he went into the uh, rehab center, where I guess they took him at soon after the operation, he looked around and he saw the status of everyone else that was sort of like in, in, in stages of weakness and, and helplessness, uh, men and women that were decades younger than him. And then he said, I'm not staying here. And despite the physical handicap, I guess, that he had in terms of having just had the operation, he picked himself up and he left that place and he was able to thrive and become uh, extra, I don't know if he did all his rehab at home, but he was able to just move himself away from there and, and come back strong. And in, in the podcast, you spoke about that and you said you thought that it was probably because that fellow was not pampered. That fellow was able to show true gvura. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, well, one, of, one of the mistakes that I think we make is that we think that uh, strength really is um, inborn and it's, it's, it's nature. There, there is a sense of nature there. People are born stronger than others. But as one goes through the one's life, um, aging, uh, weakness, a part of that is, is mental. It's emotional. And as you allow yourself to take the weaker position out as you allow yourself to retract from challenge, you start to condition in your mind a response and your body follows through. And so the individual who looks over to his peers that are used to being pampered, that are taking care of them, that are not fighting every morning to get better or to keep on trying, what ends up happening is they actually get weaker. Their muscles atrophy. And so you see people, especially as they get older in age, and well-intentioned people around them are taking care of everything for them. And it's wonderful, but it makes them weaker because the fight to get your thing. And, and I'm not saying one sh- I'm not making a judgment on who's doing what. I'm just giving, the, so to speak, the science behind it. So in this particular case, my friend's dad was, you know, in his 80s. He doesn't, if you saw him in the street, you wouldn't think he was in his 80s because his man, his mind never got to a place of I'm, I'm, I'm too old too. And as a result, his body in many ways followed. And so one of the things I was just trying to get across is this interesting relationship between mind and body. And it's not so simple that when you're 78 or when you're 58, you're this strong and then you become like 85 and you're this strong. It doesn't work that way. The mind has a very big role in the aging, in the capacity, in the ability. And the ability to create muscles of resilience, emotional muscles of resilience, which is what we can talk about, 
actually allows you to be to feel physically stronger, and more importantly, it allows you to accomplish more in your life. But one of the things you just said was about the pampering. And a lot of times the pampering is the mitzvah, you know, it's called the mitzvah kibbutz, the mitzvah kibbutz, the mitzvah of hider zikenim, and you see an older person, let me take that for you, let me help you on with your coat. Um, you, you've given so much to me in the last 30, 40 years, maybe it's my turn to help take care of you. Isn't there a way to, to strike that balance without, you know, <laughs> pushing the guy into the easy chair and not, and not, not letting him work? Yeah, it's, it's not on the, per- it, the pamperer should be pampering. Right, I believe that. Like I, when I see when my Rebbe walks in the room, my Rebbe's, well, I, I'm jump, I'm running, I'm trying to run in front of him. The pamperer should be pampering. It's not the job of the pamperer mm-hmm. to say, you know what, Dad, you can get up. Like that's not the role of the Talmud to tell the Rebbe, like you can do it. It's I'm just saying the old, the one who's getting pampered should resist in in a way, say, I, to the extent possible, or, or should just know that as I p- get pampered more, the impact of that. You can do whatever you want. I'm saying, just understand. There's a great story that someone recently told me about Rishmol Kamenetsky. I don't know if you told this to me or not. Someone just recently said to me that um was on a plane, and he was sitting in coach, and there's a guy in first class. One saw Rishmol. Wanted to give him, and Rishmol wouldn't take it. Yeah. So the plane landed, and Rishmol, he runs to Rishmol Kamenetsky's um, chair and brings his bags down, and Rishmol tries to, a little bit, try, and he's like, he, and he gets his bags, and Rishmol doesn't resist. He lets him do it, which is not Rav Shmuel-esque. And then the guy turns around and sees that Rav Shmuel is in first class by his chair, Getting taking his down his bags. <laughs> Meaning yeah. saying, like, you want to do a type? I, I can do type of speed. Meaning, I'm not saying you shouldn't pamper the Rav. I'm saying you understand the strength of an Adam that is is based in many ways on the 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 work that one goes through on a daily basis. And so as a result... When somebody grows, and this isn't just for when you're 85 and you're, you're schlepping luggage. You could be 45 and sitting at work and, and avoiding a difficult conversation. You could be 35 and, you know, it happened to me once where I got stuck in an elevator for a few hours. And as soon as I got out, I remember someone telling me, the first thing you do is get right back in that elevator. <laughs> because if you don't go back in the elevator in five minutes... You, you're going you're gonna to harbor a fear of elevators yeah. for a while. So that's what I'm saying is that as you pull back... From what is in front of you. And I'm not suggesting you're supposed to jump out of an airplane. I'm not suggesting you're supposed to go... Bunch- I'm saying as you pull back from the conflict of one's life, you need to know that what it's doing is making you weaker. So therefore, you think that the mental ability to suck it up, let's say, and to be strong, and to understand people want to help you, but you don't need that help, you think that that is going to actually be the segula, not only to deal with emotional difficulties that happen in the future, but even the, the difficulties of age that every single person uh, has to has to deal with, and as we deal with the aging of, of America and the aging of the world, that if we can build that up in people, that there's going to be less illness and less sickness, people are going to actually be able to resist those things. Yeah, and, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to split the nuance here, right? Yeah. I'm not suggesting you can't reach out for help. I'm not suggesting someone who can't right. walk should stand on a oh. sidewalk their whole lives. Right. I'm, I'm just trying, and this is like the conversation, there's a, there's a nuance split between knowing when to ask for help because you need it, right? A person is scared of elevators. Right. It doesn't mean that the only answer is start jumping into elevators. You could, you may need to go to, for actual help. What I'm suggesting is that as one goes through life, they need to be aware that the challenges that they go through are not for naught. 
And many times when they are embracing their own challenges without realizing it, they're actually building muscles. And when you go through life with that recognition that I, and, and, and it's done positively, this is, this is the nuance I'm trying to hit. I, I got it. I think I get it. I think maybe when we're sitting here talking or it's reminding me, you know, of the Maimar Chazal, the keep it up aim and Shulach HaKain are the two polar opposites. One is the hardest mitzvah, mm-hmm. one is the easiest mitzvah. The Shulach HaKain is the most simple mitzvah. doesn't have that type of emotional nuance that you have to put into it. Just go over there and then send the mother bird away. Whereas keep it up aim, especially as your parents age, it becomes so difficult to fulfill. Now most people will tell you what it means is, is because the, things flip when you've been, when you've been a child. They've been telling you what to do. They've been taking care of you. They've been, uh, and now as parents age, you sort of have to shift into the parental mode in yeah. terms of protection. But I think now maybe we even have a point within that, which is that even as you are the protector of your parent as they get older, and you've got to do whatever it takes to make sure that they don't atrophy and that they're still going to stay tough and strong the way they were. So it's a very tough mitzvah because yeah. it, you can't just say, well, now I'm going to act towards you the way you acted yeah. towards me. I'm going to actually have to respect you, but not just respect you for the past. I'm going to, I can't really do everything and I can't, I have to allow you your independence. I have to allow yeah. you to actually, uh, tap into those muscles that you built, especially as, as I think we were talking a couple of minutes before we came on the air, the generation like my father was home and others, people who came through the mid 20th century, those tough guys, those mm-hmm. people were able, yeah. to, and they seem to be that greatest generation, as I think, you know, somebody called them, Tom Broca, I think, called them mm-hmm. that great generation, to allow them to still be great. Well, at the same time, sometimes you might have to talk to them about taking away the keys from the car, right? So yeah, that, for sure. And that's, and that, by the way, is part of what we, we, we see. We know how to do this for the younger generation. No parent will run around and solve a kid's math problems because a parent understands that his, his, his ability to solve problems will atrophy. So a parent knows how to lovingly navigate a situation where the kid gets the help that he needs but still works. And I'm not suggesting that, you know, this is only when it comes to older parents. But that's a great example of where sometimes when you're dealing with an older parent, the easiest thing to do is solve it for them because you can get it done quicker. That may be the wrong thing. It may be that including them and engaging them so that they feel like they're part of it is actually the best thing for them. And the pampering is actually sometimes better for the in the, the child if it's just an easier way to deal with it than to have mom and dad engage. When I'm, but I want to make sure it's flat. I, I think it also do something else while, while you're saying that, look, so-called moments. If the final images and the final period that you deal with your parents, you're seeing still that greatness and that strength, albeit in a, in a little bit different form, that allows them to live so much stronger For sure. within you after they pass away. You should For know what sure. that means, but I know I feel that, that way yeah. as well. There's one last thing I just want yeah. to talk about on that podcast. And when I heard it, I was, I was surprised because here's my good friend. You know, I've come to like you a lot, Charlie. And here I hear you talking about a story about something that happened with you in the business world where some fellow who was seemed to have been a Balkishran, a person with some skills and talents, and he didn't get the raise that he was supposed to get. Everybody else got raises. And he was so upset about it that he calls his mother. And his mother, after talking to his mother about it, his mother felt so, talking about keeping up Amir, the mother felt so hurt by what had happened that the mother decided to call the boss and try to convince the boss to give his, give her son a break and make, make the son feel better. 
And in the story, you guys can listen to it yourself, Charlie tells it better than me, in the story, uh, right away when the boss gets off the phone with her, I guess somewhat respectfully, he calls the fellow in and fires him on the spot. Mm-hmm. And here you are saying, and I could tell from the podcast, that you actually agreed 100% that that guy has no place in the company. So in, in that story, the nuance was that the mother and the son knew about it, right? And the mother was actually, it, it, just to tell the, the pieces of it, is that... Yeah. This guy's job was, it was a financial services firm, and it was, he was part of a whole bunch of people his age that was, that were in the company together. And it wasn't like you're, you're hired and fired. It was more you're, you're a young person as an analyst trying to grow up in the company. Now the mom, from what this, my friend told me, the son told the mom because he wouldn't do it himself to talk to the boss. Now, the boss put the two pieces together. If this kid, doesn't have the the guts to walk into his boss and to speak to him about the bonus, but has knows his mom is calling the boss and that's okay. The likelihood of him being successful in this industry was very low. It, it wasn't done as like a um, punitive. Yeah, it wasn't a punitive like you tell your mom I'm going to chop your head off and then like you know the the, the tough guys. It it was more of a, the the boss recognizing the, the so weakness. The, so you think the firing is actually going to strengthen him on some other job? Of course, not around him. No, not, I, not not in this company. No, me, but this yeah. but this firing is going to help you down the line. Me, no, you're, I, I'm you're not being saying that. No, no, I'm being mom and on the boss saying that <laughs> I know that you 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 don't have the chops to make this job. That's what the boss was saying. That he knew from that moment that this kid and there's a lot of issues, but this kid by not being able to walk in and say something, but not a lot of people can't do that. But by knowing that your mother is going to call your boss. And complain about your bonus, the way your mom called the teachers when you were eight, the way your mom called the school when you were 12. By being in that mentality, he knew that the likelihood of him being successful at his firm was very low. And the the point really of the story was to highlight this, this point of parents, me being one, wanting so badly to pamper and to helicopter our children. I don't think I've ever encountered a problem that my child had where my first instinct was, I'll solve it for you. Like, I got it. I'll call the teacher. I'll do the homework. Like, psst, psst, this is the answer. The, 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 the recognition that when you solve your kids' problems at some point, they just become incapable of solving their own problems needs to be spoken about because you've got incredibly powerful children that will not be able to use their muscles for no other reason than well-intentioned parents who don't know they're doing anything wrong because, I don't know, shouldn't I yell at the teacher because my, my son is always right? That, that That's right. So concept is hurting your children. And unless we tell parents that, they may not know that they're taking their awesome child and basically putting them into the world weaker than they could have. I have to say just two things. One thing, of course, there's a parallel to that, I think, in the in the world about a year or two ago, I think it was a year and a half ago, when we have all these powerful Hollywood parents that were arranging for their kids to pass the SAT yeah, that in the wrong idea. way, right? So there you see an example of, well, I, I have to do what I can. I've got the money. I can create some sort of a dummy situation where somebody will take the, uh, the test instead of, of my own kids. But I think there's also something for our people and our listeners, and, and that is that... Um, we have, you know, parents that are extremely invested in what their kids are doing. And it's almost like their kids 
you know, need to get into the best schools, need to get into the best yeshivas and things like that. And, and many times by, they do pull their weight, you know, especially in a private school area, parents that are many times big donors, they will sometimes pressure yeah. Yeah, the, the teachers to actually pull yeah. something for their kids yeah. in order for their kids to get through. And, and the parents say they deserve it. And even though there might be, as you said, Charlie, the momentary benefit of passing and getting through, but it's going to have real long-term consequences. The kid, is going to, the kid is never going to really have that inner strength to be able to deal with life past mom and dad. Yeah, well, it depends on the situation, but yeah, the, the idea that when I hit a wall, mom and dad will solve it for me, at some point, I have not developed the muscles of... Oh my gosh, I hit a wall. How do I deal with failure? I feel like I'm a failure. I got to overcome that challenge. And the parents can be there the whole way. How do I get better? I did it. There's a lot that goes into building a muscle of resilience. But if you look at anyone who sits in a gym, you can't build a muscle until you micro tear it first. Failure is actually not the detour of success. It's actually the pathway of success. It's got to be done correctly. It's got to be done. It, but that's the, 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 the challenge of parenting. And you can't come until you fall. And that's the, the, the challenge of parents, whether you're looking down or you're looking up or looking at bosses. The challenge of the mashpia is being able to balance the hashpa in the right proportion. That's the beauty of the Kodesh Baruch Hu. He brings his chef into this world in a proportion that's exactly right because too much and it would overwhelm and too little and it would starve. But that's the balance that we have to live with because the goal is not to give to somebody. The goal is to build somebody so they can give to themselves. Yeah. So just I guess we can end with this uh, as we're you know we're recording this on Rosh Chayda Shoder and I've been thinking about uh, the Megillah and Purim that's a really great example of that, I think, as well. Here you have, again, the two heroes of, of Purim also. It says Mordechai and Esther. Both of them really re- rebounding from what seems to be the lowest state, yeah. right? They seem to be in a situation where even Mordechai could even blame himself for the way things have developed. Yeah. Esther as well. Um, there's a reason why she hasn't been called for 30 days, and here they are bouncing back yeah. from the lowest. And maybe, yeah. again, I don't know if the Chazal are always saying this, but I think there's probably room to say it within Chazal, that part of what allowed them to bounce back was to recalibrate and learn from where they had failed before, yeah. to be able to come back and plan yeah. the proper way yeah. back. Yeah. So really, and as they represent us, uh, that might be a, they might be also another good example about yeah. how we can build those yeah. Uh, resilience of muscles. So that's it for this week, my friends. So we hope we hear, we, we, we love getting your feedback. Uh, thanks for all the positive comments that people have been uh, putting up in, at all the uh, podcast sites. So take care. Charlie, great. Enjoy your trip. Thank and we'll you. see you hopefully back here next week. Looking forward to it. Okay. Show.